Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 51 of the Lift Free and Diet Hard podcast. It's also episode 201 if you count the old stream. And uh, Andy Morgan now owns the record for the greatest distance between episodes from his first appearance to his, his next. So Andy, you were with us uh, back when me and Guido were doing it as the, the fitness devil. It was some, somewhere in the first 20 episodes. So it's come a long way since then. And if everybody here is not super familiar with Andy, well, Andy's uh, in Japan. He's been living there for God, I don't know even how long now. You'll mm-hmm. tell from the accent though, he doesn't sound very Japanese. Uh, if you're watching the video, it doesn't look very Japanese either. But he's a very highly sought after online strength and nutrition coach. Uh, you're an author, including uh, you co-authored uh, with Eric Helms and his team, the um, Muscle and Strength Pyramid books. I want to make sure I got that right. Uh, and I'm actually 200 pages into your diet te- diet adjustments manual, which I'm really impressed with. Um, on top of that, let's see. Oh, yeah. You also translate uh, a lot of fitness books like the, the Muscle and Strength Pyramids into Japanese. You've been involved with projects to translate them into Spanish and other languages. So that's actually kind of cool stuff. And uh, yeah, you also have what pretty much the most credible fitness website in Japan, the athlete body. Yeah, yeah. So ripbody.com is the English one. Uh, Athletebody.jp is the Japanese one. Um, If you don't want to go to formal education, like, uh, well, I mean, like a university course kind of thing, or a college, a two-year college that they have here, then the next best thing really is to read our website front to back and um now the translation of the muscle and strength pyramid that's the nutrition book we haven't done the training one yet um yeah we're we're getting there and that's not me saying it this is how people kind of consider our website and brand in japan uh fortunately and uh hello to everybody listening by the way if anybody wants to go all the way back to the old episode they can hear more about i'm pretty sure we talked about how you know, you tried ripped body in Japanese, but that doesn't translate very well because they don't value it. So you can get into yeah. some cultural differences. I mean, I can give a quick, quick summary if you want that. Yeah, why not? Yeah. So like uh, I started off because I wanted to help out my buddies in the gym. It was a really poor area of town. I was living in Osaka at that time. And I thought they were being ripped off by the industry because they were buying all kinds of supplements that they didn't need. I knew because I can speak English. They couldn't speak or read English. So there is a, an information gap. The information gap exists because of the language barrier. I thought I would summarize articles and then get them translated, which I did. Um, I put them onto a blog. Um, I thought that people would care in Japan. They didn't because who the hell am I? And if you were to Google around, um, then you would only find, or rather Yahoo search around as it was at the time, uh, you would only find um, you know articles that confirmed your bias that supplements were amazing and you really needed all of this crap that you didn't. <laughs> and... Um, And yeah, that was a little bit disappointing, but I persevered. Fortunately, I was able to persevere because I had uh, the English summary articles I was writing originally about lean gains, summarizing Martin Bergen's methods at that time. That's uh, for those not familiar with lean gains, it's uh, 16-8 intermittent fasting, uh, basically, um, with um, uh, higher carb training days, lower carb rest days, training three days a week, reverse pyramid training. So I'd write summary articles on that. People like them. Um, in the English-speaking world, um, shared them. I had a lot of comments on the blog. One person, a guy called Phil from San Francisco, God bless those people who are so, you know, on the ball at the forefront of like trying new things, asked me in the comments, how much is your online coaching? (laughs) And I was like, well, (laughs) I've heard of this. 
Uh, okay, can I send you an email, Phil? And I trained some people in person, um, but it was kind of semi-formal. I had taken some money for that, but I wanted to gain experience really um, because I thought I was going to be a, a market myself as a high-end English-speaking uh, personal trainer. My market differentiation would be superior knowledge levels and you know um and uh yeah then all of a sudden this avenue opened and i said phil uh online coaching my 12-week package is 899 dollars it includes this is this, this and this what do you say and he's like great send me a payment link and i'm like oh. <laughs> okay uh, now i'm now googling uh how to take payment from america to japan Right. And PayPal comes up. So I'm like, right, I do PayPal. And I start talking about how I'm coaching Phil. I create a, another page on the website, which was horrible at the time um, because it was a mix of English and Japanese. And the menus were both in English and Japanese. And there was no simple button to have like both pop back and forth. And uh, and yeah, other people were like, yeah, I'm interested in online coaching too. And it kind of just grew from there. I got a kickstart because I was lucky I was working in a niche. I managed to um, stay on top of the avalanche because um, I, I think really that that it should have crushed me. Avalanche in the sense of I feel that I was punching way above my league for the attention that I got. Um, I managed to somehow keep a good reputation. And I've been uh, scrambling ever since to try to live up to the fortunate reputation that I've got. I've been fortunate to work with Eric Helms um, on the Muscle Strength Pyramid books and yeah, uh, the Japanese website has grown to um, be very well respected here. And I feel uh, excited for the opportunities that we have here to make a difference. If the coaches listening can't hear the imposter syndrome bleeding through the last <laughs> few sentences, <laughs> then uh, they weren't paying attention. But uh, that's where humility. And I think you'll find that story with a lot of the people who have got on to develop you know, big followings, you know, you've got a big Instagram following and whatnot. Certainly, you know, you've coached a lot of people over the years and you've developed a very good reputation, especially in the nutrition space as, and as an educator. So it didn't happen by accident, but there's a lot of people in similar positions who probably feel very much the same way. Even like my admittedly growing presence in the industry media following and who I'm writing for, I kind of sometimes turn around and go, how the fuck did this happen? It's like it's the picture of the turtle sitting at the top of the the um, fucking fence post, right? It's like how did how the hell did he get up there? Right? Uh, uh, as long as he lands on his back, right, uh, <laughs> or has really good balance. Hopefully, sorry. In the analogy, we want to have really good balance that well, we always stay there. Usually, that that same meme cherry pick your politician who's generally some sort of imbecile, and they're like they don't know how they got there, but they're you know they're pretty useless right Ta-da. right Ta-da. so we started what off- i would say if i may oh. before you jump in with like yep. uh, your first question it's ten dollars a question by the way I, I don't think we put that in the contract we can paypal, we can PayPal. how to send money to japan um so i would say to people who are maybe feeling um a sense of imposter syndrome don't try to impress your peers or the people that you look up to write for those people that you help Who are you working with in the gym? Who are you writing to? Try to think of one or two people, write and create content for them. Because as soon as you do that, you relieve the stress and the burden on yourself, right? Because ultimately, are the people that you look up to in the industry reading your stuff? No. But who are you you trying to help? Right? They understand that you need to target what you're saying to an audience. And it just becomes a game of 
um, communicating that in the best possible, most genuine way that speaks to them and enables them to make the positive changes that they need to, you know, stay with it and, and make some progress that, that keeps them coming back and, and, and living healthier, longer, stronger, leaner lives. If you want, if you're genuinely dead set on impressing industry leaders, one of the best ways to do it is to write stuff for the end user because they're far more likely to respect that. It'll get their attention. You know, the example I have is Mike Isertel keeps taking my Instagram posts, sharing them on his Instagram wall, which causes surges of hundreds of followers. He did it again mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. And Mike's a PhD, one of the you know more respected and smarter people in our, in our space. And he just takes my captions and poof, up on his wall they go in front of his you know 180,000 followers, right? Yeah, so, and, and he gets it because even though he has his PhD and he can talk far geekier than he does, and he does when he's off of social media, which is frankly a distraction platform, and you need to dub things down into, into quick nuggets for people, right? It, the goal is to lead them to the deeper content on the website in the longer form lecture series, perhaps a book or two or a video course, or maybe even coaching or the app. It would be what he's doing there. But he understands that most people, they're really confused. So he he respects the ability that you have to break it down into 230 characters or whatever your Twitter limitation is mm-hmm. and, and, and just smash it for people because you do consistently day in, day in, day in. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, man, how does he like, I understand that what Andrew wrote there is just absolutely obvious, but damn, he communicates that well and manages to smash it out each day, you know? And, and, and yeah, he respects that and he respects that because he understands the problem and he, he sees that in a way you are better at doing that than him. And then also let's say you've got say Brad Schoenfeld and he's got a very big following and he's a guy who's doing a lot of the research in the field. He's kind of become hypertrophy man, muscle growth man. Um, He is speaking to us and we are the ones that are kind of relaying that to um, everybody else. Right. But Brad himself is not that good at explaining it to, um, you know, regular folks. But that's okay because that's where Brad fits into this um, uh, team uh, evidence based fitness. Right. Yeah. And one of the most important skills is to be able to distill all that complex research based information down into something that the end users can take and run with it. You know, something else, there's a few things embedded in this, and it definitely ties into your book. If you are hell-bent on growing a social media brand and platform, I, I've been saying this in a lot of different formats, it's really important to establish something deeper. I like to call it career capital. So I've been reading your book, uh, Diet Adjustments Manual, and you, you know I'm doing the, the digital format, right? The ebook. And you've got yeah. links to a lot of articles. So I'm like, click, and I go into it. And there's this one I shared on my, on my story, you and Patrick Humphrey did. But there's a lot of these articles. And it's as if you have written an FAQ for all the questions that I know is exactly what you've been doing. And this is what I think coaches should do. You're getting all these questions all the time from the different clients, your online clients, you could answer it every time. And I still think you sort of do because you want to make sure you're giving them that answer, but you can say, mm-hmm. Hey, I wrote this article, right? Or here, or it can start as an FAQ on the website. Here's all this stuff. You can go look through it. But if you turn it into a bigger form article, all of a sudden you have something on your website that 
someone finds that quote on your media or, or like finds your video and then they find it. Oh shit. He's got a 15 minute YouTube video that goes in depth, or here's an article on the website. Oh, here's some more. So these are important pieces of career capital. And you start writing these articles. What are, what are some of the places you've been published on outside of your own website? I, you know, I haven't really bothered you. You've no. got your testosterone nation. I want it all on mine. Uh, maybe this is now reminded of me. I should have perhaps reached out to different um, <laughs> uh, places. Um, but writing an article really takes a lot of effort. And I know I re could have repurposed some content and that might have been the smarter move. But I've just, I've really just written for myself and tried to. And it's all yeah, I guess I've been fortunate with SEO, with um, the way that I come up in Google search. So I haven't needed to worry about it as much. Well, Jordan Syed did something very similar too, because there's a lot of people, you know, I, I always use Lee Boyce as an example. The motherfucker is written for the Wall Street Journal, right? Holy mm -hmm. shit. And you go onto his website and like, I have my little section with the stuff that I've written on. And I like this, but Jordan Syed's getting crazy SEO on writing basic articles on fundamental nutrition concept. Yours is full of them too, that someone can go in and this is literally the repository. It's, it's a university level course if you go through it all. So, I mean, it's great education for other coaches who's gonna, who are going to plug, plug in your stuff. And then they're going to go, well, what else has he got? And they find out you got a book and they go buy the book. Mm -hmm. So there's another piece of career capital. So I don't think it's doing it the wrong way at all. I know that for me, it was the opportunity to get my writing out there. Whereas I think for a lot of people, you still have to start with your website and you still should start with the basic stuff. And you, you can go, well, Andy or Jordan wrote an article about this. Doesn't mean you can't in your words huh. to your potential clientele. And yeah. people think, well... Isn't, isn't it plagiarism if I write about the same thing that, you know, Jordan did? No, it's not plagiarism. If you copy the fucking thing word for word, it's plagiarism. But if you go write your own concept of it, your formatting, the way you're presenting it, I mean, a lot of you guys in the industry, like your book, the one we're uh, going to talk about, it de-emphasizes, like, you don't like mini cuts. You don't even like that language. You know, you kind of make light of that in the book. Whereas we just talked about Mike Isertel, that Mike talks about mini cuts all the time in the Renaissance periodization stuff. And I don't think for a second that you think that Mike Isertel is an idiot who's got everything nutrition wrong. I think that you guys overlap on 95% plus of the fundamental philosophical educational stuff that's out there, but you probably have a few different philosophies based on your different experiences, coaching clients. Yeah. And I'm sure he's got similar caveats that I put in. It's just, we have kind of different language around it. Mm -hmm. And then maybe ultimately then we're talking about the difference in duration of a bulking phase. We might actually be exactly on the same page. It's just people take the mini cut language. Mm -hmm. They then think, ah, mini cut. That means I can bulk, but stay forever shredded 7% <laughs> body fat because I'm going to bulk to 10% and then get shredded as hell again and then bulk to 10%. And I'm just kind of like, no, no, no. What you've heard is this word mini cut. You haven't understood what it actually means, which is to defluff yourself a bit when you do get quite, quite fluffy. Like you need to understand that you will gain some fat. And that's kind of why I'm against it. I'm against the misinterpretation of that. And I think you hit the nail on the head too. I suppose it's just different language use for probably more overlap than even just the superficial presentation even sort of alludes to. So, cause I doubt very much that you two would fundamentally disagree on something of that nature. Your book is a fantastic breakdown of a lot of very technical stuff, but into an extremely readable, accessible, usable format. So we just talked about that before, but that's one of the key points I wanted to talk about is where does that come from? 
but your ability to do it. Uh, I think. There's, there's two things. Um, number one, um, I'm not that smart. And so when I read things, in order for it to be inputted into my head, I have to be breaking it down. I have to be forgetting the mechanisms and thinking about the, okay, how, what what are the how-tos of this? What's the practical takeaway from this? What's the mental model? What's the framework for this that it's fitting in? And then and then what are the, what are the actionable items? And so I'm kind of thinking in terms of like a decision tree, and and building this framework in my head so that I can suck out the things that I think are relevant, and then forget everything else because I don't have the brain capacity for it, and then with this model that I now have in my head and I'm kind of adding to and building on, I'm also fortunate that I have, you know, client experience. So I'm thinking, okay, how does this map onto what clients are going through? And it's that plus then questions from clients and non-clients, um, say in the comments on the blog, I think about, about 20,000 now over the years. And then, you know, with social media, it's endless because people can just ask a question quickly. Um, so then I, I get to think through, okay, well, how are people misunderstand? Or rather, people think through for me. They tell me by asking questions how they're misunderstanding the writing that I've written. This is why I prefer comments on my blog, on my articles, than on social media. It's because if they're on my articles, they're likely to have read the article. And then I can see where the holes are in the explanations in my writing. And because I coach over email, not over video, um, I, I do have like a video screen share option where I'll show them the data, but, and then I'll write an email summary, but essentially it's, it's email communication. Once every couple of weeks, they check in. So I, I, I really needed to kind of hone how I explain things um, to people and, and make recommendations. So those two factors, I would say have helped. Makes sense. Awesome. Uh <laughs> You know what? I think that's actually pretty good right there on that topic because I want to move over to something else. And it was a recent article on your website that talked about why you shouldn't take nutrition advice from Tim Ferriss and Joe Rogan. Uh, yeah, yeah. I know Rogan's getting talked about a lot right now. Um, so uh, let's dance around. What's the allure of listening to people like Tim and Joe, uh, obviously who adopt very tribal nutritional ideologies instead of you know, the more established evidence-based world. So I'll let you dance all over that one. If we think, so uh, Tim, nice guy. Joe certainly seems like a nice dude. Um, I certainly like his UFC commentary. He's been exceptional throughout, and I hope he continues to do that no matter how big he gets. Um, setting that aside, uh, they're not experts. They, they have on... Um, quote unquote cutting edge people from all different walks of life and all different industries and yes with Joe and his interests and Tim and his interests that does fitness, health, nutrition training that does get lumped into a certain like I don't know 15, 20, 25% of the guests and because their job is essentially to 
get people to listen. They go out and they get on these hmm, people, these contrarians, right? Those who think they're cutting edge. And unfortunately, what that leads to is because neither Joe or Tim are experts in the field, they, they cannot see whether these are just flat out charlatans or deluded people. And they're not incentivized to really do too deeper digging. They can go with the, well, I'm just asking questions, bro, <laughs> um, kind of defense. Have these people on, then when they chat some shit, they don't have the knowledge to turn back around and say, actually, you're kind of chatting shit there, Dave Asprey. That's the Bulletproof Coffee guy. And it leads to a whole bunch of misinformation being put out in two to four hour chunks or to millions and millions of people. And because it's been on the Tim Ferriss or Joe Rogan show, people just assume that it's legitimate without thinking through the incentives there and the respective qualifications that or abilities that Joe and Tim have to, to bust this. And it's kind of like, let's say, um, I'm sure that there are uh, plenty of people listening to this who have had multi-year careers now, maybe 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And in your industry, you've become very knowledgeable. If, if you wouldn't consider yourself an expert, let's say, let's say you've become fairly knowledgeable. And I'm sure you come across newspaper articles where you're like, no, no, that's that's right off of what? And you face palm because they've done another butchering headline like one slice, one sausage takes 23 minutes off your life as if having a sausage like this was just a, a late a recent headline and it's just like like i want you to think about when you see that in your industry you can see that a lot of the stuff that's put out there in newspapers in in tabloids especially is just total shit now you can see it because it's in your industry right but think about all of the other stuff that's in that paper that is not your industry right? You just take it because it's in the New York Times or whatever that it is correct, right? When, but when it comes to many things, because the newspapers, they're not incentivized to write with nuance, it comes down to eyeballs. You get a lot of um, hyperbole, exaggerations, butchery of the science. Now, you could say, all right, well, the New York Times, they still have their, you know, their editing standards and they want to maintain that they are, you know, a prestigious paper. Fair enough. Do podcasters? No. They're only beholden to their sponsors, right? And the more exciting the guest, the more eyeballs and listeners it attracts. And the more jimmies that are rustled, the more people that are pissed off by it, the more listens it gets. And so it just kind of spirals out. And then you end up with uh, something like Joe's podcast. Now, I'm not saying that all the guests are full of shit. I wouldn't know. I haven't listened. But I've heard enough to know that many of them shouldn't have had the airtime, but they did. Very okay, tough. I, I think that's my rant. Over. Yeah. 
Gary Tobes is just one of many examples. Now, oh, Gary, really? many, 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 and so then you got like the the game the the game changers people, and that was about talking about vegan diets being. I haven't got a problem with vegan diets. You want to be vegan? Great. You want to be vegan for the moral reasons? Great. Okay. If you, but don't tell people that you should become vegan because it has explicit performance benefits or muscle growth benefits. It's like no, just focus on what where the science actually is so then they've got this shit made up and then when you have on these game changers people then it's like ah now we can bring on the meat only guy and of course the carnivore diet then exploded precisely because you've got these shit fucks that are doing the the game changers bullshit and then you've got this space now for another extreme shithead um talking about the sorry i, I tried to do a non-sweary podcast and, no, and now you've got this carnivore no. thing i'm okay am i and oh, then yeah. it's just in case mom oh someone's got kids in the car i apologize i'll, I'll keep there'll be no f-bonds from now on and, and, and then you've got this carnivore thing and it's like okay well if someone wants to go vegan or that's all right maybe their performance might be a little bit off if they're not very careful and and okay fine but now people are going full carnivore and their blood work is like their cholesterol's going through that like their ldl is going like through the roof and this is cumulative damage that cannot be reversed and we know through years and years and years of data and it's like this is dangerous but your stupid carnivore trend is not going to be around in 20 years when people who were following this years ago um, got suckered by it for you to then take responsibility. People know they're just going to be dropping dead. They're going to have like cardiovascular disease and they're going to have heart attacks. It's going to be bad, but people are just jumping on these, these yeah, the pendulum just keeps swinging, my man, and it's it's just sad, isn't it? I was going to say, too, that this stuff existed before Tim and Joe. They're just a new iteration of it. I think Oprah is kind of the original one because, you know, Oprah has this air of legitimacy, and I think Oprah's probably done, done a fair bit of good in the world, but she's also set loose Dr. Oz and similar types on us, and Dr. Oz may be the grandest purveyor of... Is that where he came from? Oh, yeah. Oh, from okay. So oh Oprah herself is also responsible for more popularization of, of fad dieting, especially in her earlier years as she roller coastered through fad dieting. So you often see people say that Joe Rogan is Oprah for like, you know, middle-aged guys. And it's probably a fairly oversimplified but accurate statement. So you just recognize that this is a format that has been going on for a while. Joe, you know, I, I, I don't listen to either of their podcasts. I've actually done Tim Ferriss's books, Tools of Titans and Tribe of Mentors. They're actually great books. Mm. There's a lot of pseudoscientific nutrition crap in there. Very, they, they tend to both bias towards low carbohydrates. So therefore they tend to go for guests who conform to their biases. And every once in a while, they'll slap someone like Alan Aragon or Lane Norton on there. But then Gary Tobes gets three episodes or someone else. And then one of the other did things- Alan I get did Alan get on there then? I thought he did. Maybe I'm maybe I'm mistaken. I actually maybe someone can correct this for me. But you know, I thought Alan did sneak on there. I know Lane was on there, <laughs> but I think that the the weight of the people who are either outside their scope, there's a lot of guests that end up on there who become self-proclaimed nutrition experts who I can never remember the name of all these logical fallacies, appeal to authority, maybe where they step outside of their area of expertise, but because they're a doctor, I mean, 
the guy who popularized carnivore, Dr. Sean Baker. Uh, Dr. Mehmet is, again, another example, apparently a very, very skilled cardiologist who stepped out into realms that, you know, he's not qualified to talk on. Or uh, Dr. Davis, the guy behind Wheatbelly, and again, another cardiologist who kind of stepped outside the scope. Rhonda Patrick as well. Oh, I've God, she was her. the one I was going to mention. In fact, she's the one who has the greatest air of legitimacy, who's the most full of shit. Because well, she if, if you look at her TikToks or whatever the hell she posts on Instagram, it's like a study recently showed that if you eat this, then 60% of blah, blah, blah. It's like, you are you are the problem here. Like, you know better than this, but she's just drunk on attention. I think so. A lot of these people, they're drunk on attention, unfortunately. They're like playing a game of how many likes, shares can I get? And to help with the actual human consequences, because a lot of them, they do know better. Now, so here's the other thing. And I recently did a presentation on this at uh, in Spokane. But how does the passionate, evidence-based, uh, you know, integrity-based coach compete with this message? Uh-huh. Okay. I have some advice here. Wait for it. Oh. No, here we go. It's you. I I, I should warn the listeners that Andy talks rather slowly sometimes, and I always sometimes a little bit always tempted to name these podcasts "Long Thoughtful Pauses" with Andy Morgan. So he hasn't gone disconnect. He just pauses sometimes. Anyway, I'm a a thoughtful person. I think it's better than just being, uh, uh, you know. Um. So. Cue me up here. It was what? Okay. So if let's say you have hmm, trying to think of a good analogy here, but it's like, let's say you've never seen a bicycle before, but you're like, oh yeah, I've got this. I can ride a bike. Right. And you refuse to have any lessons. Right. People are going to crash and they're going to hurt their knees. And then they're going to do one or two things. They're either going to a, quit or b they're going to hire someone who actually knows what they're doing so i think trying to fight doing a little bit of myth busting is fine but making your entire identity around myth busting is just going to be frustrating right but you got to understand that past a certain point people are going to be frustrated because they've chased down they've chased down fad diets and fad methods and then they're going to you your content is going to suddenly be palatable because although when they were looking for their fads when they thought that oh it was all about keto or whatever right um uh, uh, what they're after at first when they realize that that doesn't exist once they can become frustrated enough that's when information like ours the the simple stuff but implemented consistently over time becomes palatable so like I used to have this this little sketch on my website, a bit of a cheeky one, but it was like, look, you need to go away and fall on your face a few times before you're going to look at my 8,000-word article on how to bulk without getting fat and realize the value in that. It's like telling someone to go read Adam Ali's Physiconomics articles, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? If they're not ready to, to find and dive into that stuff, they won't. No. No, no, they're not going to. It's, but, but you can build a reputation on 
being there when people are ready. And they will be ready. There's enough of them because there's enough people in the industry that are messing people around. So you just need to be, have a reputation for being someone who looks after those people um, well uh, when they're ready. And I think you can do that talking about what you're about by having a website, which could just be a WordPress blog. Mine is a WordPress blog that's been tarted up a bit. Um, most of everyone's stuff is. Um, and when they are looking for someone, you bet your ass that they're going to look at your website before they hire you if you have one. And then they can get to see, oh, you're not one of these um, gimmicky, fatty people that they've been burned by before. You're, you seem... Um, legit, you seem calm, you seem to have good testimonials, great, I'm going to give this person a shot. So I think that's, that's also the value. So in writing, so I wouldn't give up, I would just say, don't try to um, don't try to convert these people, wait for them to come to you. And be um, accessible, have your stuff out there so that they know that they can come to you when they are looking for something more serious. I'll even take it a step further, something I really believe in. There are people in our industry who are doing a good job of breaking into the mainstream with mainstream appeal, whether their media just is a bit more accessible. And I mentioned Jordan's side. I think he's one of the, the ones on the forefront of that. You know, he's probably approaching a million followers at this point. Great basic practical nutrition training, habit-based info. He's entertaining. So he Lee is doing a wonderful job. Dr. Spencer Nadolsky's doing an incredible job. You know, I met Spencer and so he, the exact same time I met you in 2017 at like my first Kansas City Fitness Summit. And there are people in that space. I mean, Ben Bruno is not so much nutrition, you know, he's in training, but he's training a whole bunch of celebrities now. And he's you know, tr classical celebrity trainer is a complete moron. I think. Chris Hemsworth trainer recently made some sort of comments about how creatine and protein powder are useless. It's like, yeah, it, come on guys. We, anybody who's heard about Tom Brady's nutrition guru, he found later in his career, this guy's a complete crackpot. And every once in a while, you know, some NFL player finds CrossFit. Now CrossFit's fine. That's okay. But is it good conditioning work to perform at an elite level in the NFL? Fuck no, it's not. And then all of a sudden their career goes down the tubes. I think there's a famous example of that. So these celebrities and, and high-level people sometimes are being misled by these people. But Ben Bruno is turning around and actually bringing you know, evidence-based quality training to Justin Timberlake, Tr Chelsea Handler, Clay Thompson of the Golden State Warriors, and you know other famous individuals. Because you know what's happening there is there, you know, it's a small circle of these people at the elite level of all different industries. But they all kind of know each other or all connected like one or two dots away and they all get marketed this slope training nonsense right all this hyped up nonsense and enough of those people are sick of it as well so what has ben done ben's got a reputation of being cool he's not going to lose his shit he works with other famous people he doesn't care that you're famous number one he's still going to kick your ass appropriately hardly not just run you into the ground and two He's not bragging and, 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 and full of shit. He's just sensible. Um, he's the no hype trainer. And so who gets results? And there are perhaps even more so in that side where people have money that 
they're more open to someone who's just, you know, doing things right, if I may say, <laughs> if that makes it, that does make sense to us, right? Yeah. Down to earth. And I mean, if anybody, come on, if anybody doesn't know who Ben Brono is, you got to go follow him. He's hysterical. Um, it's fun. like someone took Mr. Bean and turned him into this really dry, sarcastic trainer. And a really fucking good one. Hmm. Literally looks like Mr. Bean. Uh, now, yeah. Uh, Mr. Bean with a bit of muscle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, a little bit more muscle. Now, speaking mm -hmm. of, you know, choosing clients and all this sort of stuff, something that I've long noticed about you, and it comes through your media a lot when, when you talk, you're very careful in choosing the right type of client for you. You're very, very mm -hmm. choosy about it. You have filters in your a process for your website that people have to, to walk through to make sure that they're a good fit. So how did you develop your niche and your way of filtering the right client? Why was it important to you to refine this to get the right client and advice for coaches refining, you know, catering to their kind of clientele. Cause this is something that I know is a big problem and I've gone through it before you get the wrong client in the works and they can tax your, your physical energy, your mental energy, and it can permeate into everything else you're doing. I can talk about how I did it and why um, the, the, how I was talking about originally the niche of, of lean gains and I um, was offering to coach people in Martin Birkin's methods. Um, not it wasn't a lean gains uh, consultation because obviously only Martin can do that, and I was clear about that. But you know, I'd written about the stuff; it was clear to people that I understood it sufficiently well, right? Um, and so, you know, that attracted a certain kind of person, right? I was going niche enough, um, and then you know, I was I quickly found out that I'm I'm not good for everyone. And I need to put some requirements on here. And so, you know, I was like, okay, well, you know, who do I work with best? It's like, well, men. I'm much better at coaching men. I uh, found it very tricky uh, uh, coaching women. And I, I can understand the mindset of a man more. Um, we don't have the same scale weight hangups. I can read the situation better, when to push them hard, when to give them a bit of shit versus pull back and try and be a little more... Um, compassionate you know just trying to read that especially over text can be quite difficult especially as me just a bit of a blunt um, brummy guy brummy meaning i'm from birmingham in the midlands we tend to be really quite dry and sarcastic so it's even more of a fine line especially as i'm attracting a lot of american clientele who i who i, who I tend to piss off anyway with my deep sarcasm and ribbing um and then i had niche down a little bit further it's like well, okay online coaching doesn't work well with noobs in the gym better off seeing someone in person, like see someone, you'll see someone great, get really comfortable so that when, if you wanted to be um, coached online, and if I were to give you a training plan that you're confident, you'd be able to execute it well. Right. So, you know, I added that requirement there. And then some people would ask me about injuries and I'm like, I don't know about that. So I added an injury thing. And then they added like an age thing, which, you know, I said, no one below 20 because 20 is the adult age in Japan. My company is incorporated in Japan. But really, honestly, like if you're under 25, you, you almost certainly can't afford it anyway. Um, and, you know, if you're a student, should you be really counting macros to the degree that I'm going to get you to? Probably not. You should be going out and living life and just doing more habit-based stuff, right? Um, and then, you know, then, then I was like, okay, well, what kind of coaching am I doing? Well, I'm getting clients to count fairly accurately their calories and macros. So I said, look, come to me when you have experience counting macros. Um, 
don't come to me expecting me to teach you because I'm not really able to teach you that so well online. I can give you some outlines, but it's better if you go away and try that first and see if it might be for you first. So I put that on there. But then I'd also link them to like an article of things to do before you count. So it's like, I get my clients to count, but I think the vast majority of people should not count. I know that seems like a contradiction, but bear in mind, I work with a niche of a niche of niche of people. And then what happened is, so that was all me trying to clearly select for the people that I work with best because I, I worried um, about having maintaining a good reputation. Um, and I, I want to maintain a good reputation, but I'm not as worried about it. So that I, I cannot afford to be um, held to ransom by an unhappy client. I'm going to talk shit about you in Reddit or whatever, right? It's, you know, you, I, I still use my, my moral compass on that. Um, um, that's, that's a whole other, other conversation. Not that that's actually happened, but I can certainly see some people trying that sort of stuff for some reason. You get a, um, enough exposure, you get some mental people sometimes. Um, but also on the other side, what would happen is, um, well, going back, sorry, when you um, niche down and tell people who you work with, you get to work with those people who you're better at. So then you do a good job. Then you get a good reputation. Then you attract more people like that. Then you do a really good job. And it kind of, um, you know, it, it, it spirals. It, it builds. Um, your reputation builds. And then um, on the other side, when someone comes to your website and then maybe they like the articles and then they get to your coaching page. I've got a coaching page. You can please have a look, ripbody.com slash coaching. Um, it doesn't read like a sales page. It's just more like, hey, this is me. This is what I do. This is who I'm looking for. This is why it might be for you, but I'm probably not. And, you know, it's it's not a it's not a sell. I'm not there to sell you. I'm just there as just kind of, this is what I do. It might be a fit. It may not. That's okay either way. Well, that also speaks to people as well, because I think people are very used to being aggressively sold to. And I'm not at all. I'm like um, you. Yeah. I'm very much so, like you in that. There's, there's almost nothing salesy on any of my media. You know, I subscribe to the, you know, the jab, 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 right hook philosophy, except it's probably a hundred jabs for every right hook that I'll put on my media. If I'm asking yeah. something of someone, it's like, hey, go sign up for my my email list or, or go read one of my articles or go listen to a podcast. And it's free except for the time that someone spends on it. I really think a lot of coaches go through this and, and this probably applies a little more to the in-person, but probably online as well. You end up in this cycle of taking on clients that are unreliable or challenging for whatever reasons, you know, maybe there's some integrity fouls, but you feel like you need them because you need the money mm -hmm. and they cause you stress. And you're mm -hmm. perpetually locked in the cycle of, well, I can't lose this client. And you spend time chasing that client while your emotional energy is taxed and this seeps into your interactions with the other clients. And, you know, if anybody's read books like The Alchemist or The Secret, which I've, despite my book reading, I've never read either, but I understand the premise. It's about this woo-ish, you know, you get back from the world what you put out into it, but there's something fundamentally true at its essence. It, if you radiate positive energy because you surround yourself and you create an environment that is full of good people that you feel fulfilled and excited about working with, then 
all of the clients you're working with feel that energy and they're just a little bit more confident and likely to refer someone your way, stay longer with you, which magnifies in a positive way. And you take that energy into all the other interactions, the way you respond to someone on social media, maybe somebody's a little combative and they catch you at the wrong time and you snap at them and then your followers see that response versus you patiently replying being charitable in your interpretation of their message. And then they turn around and they have a softer approach. And all of a sudden that guy turns into a follower and engaged. And the other people watching consistently see that you're conscientious and thoughtful in the way that you respond to your followers. And all of a sudden someone decides to reach out and say, you know, like, I really like the way you go about things here. I want to talk to you about coaching. And I've had that experience a number of times. And I think that these things magnify either in, in a bad way or a good way. And if anybody, I don't know if you read it, but a book on this particular topic is called Book Yourself Solid by Michael Port. It's one of the ones that I recommend most to the trainers I mentor. And it's, it, you do it, do it as a workbook. Don't even do the audio. Read the physical copy, get a notebook and do the exercise as you go. And it will help you figure out those handful of clients that you work with or have worked with who cause you the most stress and, and drama and headaches And then all of the qualities and behaviors and characteristics of the clients that you love working with, which kind of is what you just explained. And if you can identify the type of people you like working with, well, then establish that as a niche or Mm. develop some filters to filter out the type of people who aren't a fit. Or here's the tough one. Be willing to let go in a professional way. I hate hearing trainers brag about firing clients. I I don't like that. That looks people actually do that. They absolutely trainers do that all the time all the time on social media brag about firing someone quote yes they brag about firing clients okay so if anybody listening's ever done it you're forgiven just don't do it again because it looks terrible see andy's reaction but if you're going to drop a client do it in a professional way where you're saying listen like i don't think this is a really great fit i'm gonna like try to help you find someone who is Mm. uh, before it builds up up into a point where something bad does happen where it can damage your reputation. But either way, guard your your emotional energy, guard your time well. And what you'll find is when you let go of the clients that cause you the most stress, you do attract more clients who are happy to pay more. Because often, one of the first red flags is someone who's shopping on price. And then second red flag is when they start trying to negotiate price. And someone who's shopping on price is probably going to be someone who creates a lot more headaches and asks of you and someone who finds out, Andy, you charge a premium for your coaching. You do. You're a premium coach. And you know there's two types of people that come to your filter. Someone who tries to haggle your rates or the person who's like, where do I pay you? And I bet you every damn time the person who goes, where do I pay you, is a much easier client to work with. Yeah, usually. I can tell you what I do about this if you'd like. I can talk about the pricing. I can talk about how I take on the clients. And I can talk about how I filter for the right clients before they've even paid. Yeah, can sh- very briefly do that. Yeah, share that briefly and we're great. I got a little more time. So it's, it's about uh, seven, six steps until they become an actual coaching client. And you can see the steps they're written out. If you just Britboy.com slash coaching, um, or there's a button in the menu, um, scroll down a bit and you'll see like one, two, three, four, five, six. So I'm saying before you apply, this is the way the application proceeds. You um, answer your name, you check some boxes to say that you qualify and then some your email address in the box below. Great, that's step one. Step two, when I have a coaching space available, I'll reach out to you. I send them a quick video and then I send them like, um, um, if you're super stressed right now, then you know maybe don't answer this just yet, if blah, blah, blah. 
Um, okay, here are the questions. I've got 17 questions I'd like you to answer and think about. Um, how you answer these questions um, is going to determine the quality of the answer that I can give back. And then if you do become a client, I will be basing the plan and the advice that I give you, the initial setup on the answers that you have here. So please spend time on it. And if you're not going to spend time on this, then I'm not going to spend time responding. So it's just going to be a no. So, you know, in or out, decide, doesn't matter to me. Here we go. Boom. Send that across. Send it back whenever you you know, have time. If it's going to be a while later, then I may not have a coaching space available at that time because I do. Uh, I keep a cap and I keep a, a low number cap so that I can always feel fresh. Um, they send that back. I then send a very detailed email response. Um, if they like the way I've responded, um, they like the plan that I've laid out. I say, if you like this, um, um, let me know. I'll send over some pricing information. So that pricing information is coming later. And I send over the pricing information, I say at the bottom of the email, you know, and in there is detailed, like what I, what I, what I, what you can expect from me is the headline. Bam, 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 bam. What I expect from you, bam, 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 bam. No one needs coaching. So if this is not a yes, F yes, then consider it a no, because that's cool. Okay. But if this is an F yes, then great. Let's, let's rock on. Just let me know. Is it like option one or two? And let me know. And then I send over um, a payment link along with some like the steps next to expect and then uh, agreements and disclaimer, which I get them to sign. Um, and the cadence of that is um, they will get an email from me responding the day after they send me an email. It's never faster. I only check my email once a day. I check my emails that come in today from yesterday and I check them in the morning. So that means anyone's waiting for maybe six hours if I wake up at 6 a.m. and they've sent me an email at like 23.59 um, through to, I don't know, 30 hours-ish, right? Um, but my response is the point being they're never fast, but they are detailed, which means that I then get detailed, thoughtful responses back in from them. And anyone who is not okay with that drops out before they've paid. And so the cadence with which I respond to them when they're not a client is the same cadence with which I respond to them when they are a client. So it's not a problem because I have treated them consistently. And if they're not okay with that, then they wouldn't have signed up. Right. And when it comes, and I don't respond on weekends, I have my weekends to myself and they are responsible for updating me by midnight on Saturday, their time. So that I always have their updates in my inbox um, on Monday, my time in Japan. Um, and where, whatever time zone they're in and I'm in, we're always safe there. If they don't do that, then they can, if they can't do that, then they can update me the day prior. So on the Friday, and if that's not possible, then they just update me in two weeks. They miss their update, but I don't chase them up for that. So I'm filtering again for, you know, responsible people who can stay on top of stuff. Um, and then when it comes to price, I say, I don't discuss price until later on, but you can expect mid three figures. Right. If that's an initial like, Oof, oh, my goodness. Right. Then, you know, they're not going to start the process. Um, so that, that's kind of how I handle it. And people have said that they see that because they see that up front. I'm not hiding that. I'm saying, look, this is how I work. Is this something you're interested in? Because if not, cool, because I've stated on the coaching page, 
this is probably not for you or rather this definitely isn't for everyone i think is the exact wording right and therefore in that context um people aren't reading the page expecting me to bow to every whim that they have it's like look this is my style it works well for some people maybe you are one of those people if not no worries thank you for reading the website anyway i hope you still continue to find it helpful i'll still always be in the comments to help you if you have questions you know and that's a format that you've created. And it doesn't mean that the coach who's listening, who's very responsive, because I tend to be more responsive to, you know, my online clients, if, you know, something's going on, because, you know, um, at least a couple of the female clients I have online, sometimes some stuff's going on in their world. And, you know, they, sometimes they feel really down on themselves because they weren't able to get their workout in. So I like to make sure I turn around and, you know, a bit of reassurance and a little bit of positivity and just say, okay, let's get you back on track but different strokes for different kind of clientele. So your approach as a, as a coach is going to be suited to the type of clientele you're working with. But the way you work is very effective for the type of clientele who filter into it. Exactly. And they're filtering into it and no one's paid anything up front. There's no payment link. And then you get to talk to me. You get to talk to me first. We get to figure out if we're a fit first. So that's why it's okay. You know, absolutely. Um, it's, 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 it, if you're a coach listening to this, you do, you set things up in a way that you enjoy and you can sustain and you think is a good service for your people. And then before any money changes hands, just treat them in that way. And if it's not the way they like, then they won't, they won't stick around. That's okay. There you go. This has been wonderful. And it's been great to catch up. It's been way too long and it's been great, you know, chatting with you recently over social media again. And I hope, I mean, I know that I think in theory, the Kansas City Fitness Summit's kind of run its course and we didn't get the the, the swan song. We got lost in uh, in 2020. Yeah. But I know that you're always hungry for these things. And as the world settles down a little bit, I know you'll be back in North America again and we will sit down and have another drink in person. I look forward you to it. You mean I'll drink you under the table again because you're just such a small person. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So if anybody, uh, anybody made it to the end of this one, thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. If you have not yet followed Andy or you're not uh, following his social media, well, it's ripbody.com, the English website, and uh, Andy Morgan. Andy, Andy underscore ripped body on uh, Instagram if you want to follow me there. Yep. And if you're already following me, you can find him in the people I follow as well. And uh, his stuff's fantastic. But and I'm serious about this one. I'm really enjoying the uh, enjoying the diet adjustments manual, and uh, so some of the, those books are great. So people should explore the the articles on your website and then the, the greater content uh, that you've written, the formal stuff. And if you're someone who is listening and has found my podcast through Andy's media, well, if you look around, I've probably got some of the well. I mentioned Mike Isertel and Jordan Syatt, just name a few people. They've been previous recent guests. And uh, Danny Lennon is scheduled. I'm actually going to record with him in the morning. So he, if you're listening to this now, Danny's episode will be sometime the following week. So you can look forward to that as well. So stick around. And uh, again, thank you everybody so much. I appreciate it. If you haven't already sent me a message on Instagram, I do want to connect with you guys. I actually want to hear from you guys about how, what you think of the podcast. Or, or if you're not following me yet, Andrew Coates Fitness, go check it out. And if you'd take the time to do a review, that would be appreciated as well. You know, those are helpful. So Andy, thank you so much, my friend. And for everybody else, enjoy your day.